0: Welcome. This is the, I guess, first video version of Man's Search for Muscle. It's technically episode five. I'm doing this quite a bit different than I've done it in the past in that, um, well, I'm doing the video of it. So I'm going to have to be aware that um, I'm doing it both for audio and video. Depending on how you're seeing this, I'm going to link the uh, the links below. Like in the YouTube video, I'm going to link up where the audio is and vice versa. Uh, because I wanted to try to do it a little bit different today. This was actually my original intent, was to do it like this as a podcast. But to be honest, I wasn't terribly comfortable with the idea. Because... If you've listened to the previous episodes, you know that this is kind of a stream of conscience uh, uh, activity. And this one, the pressure is a little bit higher because I'm not going to be able to subtly edit the audio quite so easily. So this is almost like a live stream type idea. So it's a little bit scary because the idea of of this series is that I'm going to talk through some ideas. It's not me talking about what I know, per se. It's talking about what I don't know. Because I want to try to develop some ideas. Because I I found that there's a, a good crossover between philosophical principles and and physical development principles. And I'm trying to work those together in my mind and, and think about it and develop new ideas. And I wanted it to be, you know, sporadic and 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 authentic and real. So this is why I've tried to do it this way. Because of the way I'm doing this one, uh, a couple of them I, I recorded in my car because I do a lot of good... Um, i guess freestyle thinking that way this one obviously i'm doing indoors because i'm filming it and it's a little bit easier and not to mention safer doing that this way so i had a few ideas of what i wanted to do today first um okay one second sorry this is not me stripping this is me my house is extremely hot so Whew! don't mind the man behind the curtain Okay, I don't know where I'm going with this, to be honest. Often that's the case, if, if you've listened to them. But on the way home from the gym, just a few minutes ago, I was roasting, as I clearly still am, and I turned on the AC. Only to have hot air blow at me. And I don't know if you your cars are this way, but you don't just have to turn on the AC. You have to make sure that the temperature's not up. But what happened to me was that the temperature was, off, uh, was up to 20 or something. It, this is Celsius. I'm Canadian, as you know. And so I had hot air trying to blow at me along with the ac the cold so i don't know when when it struck me at a couple moments after doing that it was it was something that really struck me that maybe this is something we do in our day-to-day lives maybe we have these uh, contradicting forces that we try to do, you know, like, and, and from both a, a psychological standpoint and a physical standpoint. So it would be like going to the gym, working out, and then having cake. I really like cake, but It's not a terribly uh, nutrient-dense type food, obviously. Uh, It won't give you the amino acids you need. Uh, It might have some, but certainly not in the uh, quantity. And and it's, uh, you know, let's just keep it simple and say that eating uh, garbage food while trying to get healthy or smoking, that's another one. I actually see a lot of people doing this, though. They're, they're cycling and smoking at the same time. It boggles my mind. I don't... I mean, I understand, you know, the practicality of getting point A to point B from bicycling will save you time if you don't drive. But from the standpoint of trying to get healthy while doing something unhealthy, i um, and it's, it strikes me, I guess, that we probably do this in our day-to-day lives, as well in various ways. We have, we do things that contradict our the actual goal we're trying to achieve. Um, I remember I was speaking with someone quite a few years ago, and and I, I realized what this person was doing was they were they were trying to um there was somebody they liked she liked and she wanted to pursue this guy and but the, the things she was doing was pushing him away you know so in her attempts to try to um, get him she was actually you know, she was acting in ways that was counterproductive, you know, and the frustrating thing was she couldn't see that she was doing this, and I was trying to help her see it, but, you know, oftentimes we're we're blind to our own actions. Um, maybe this is one reason why early on in this series I talked about the importance of self-awareness and how we need to be aware of of what we what we do speaking of self awareness another thing that i was thinking about today i uh, was while at the gym and don't get me wrong here the gym is not the place to be judgmental it's simply not um for a number of reasons you know you don't know what someone's dealing with as far as injuries or Competence level, or even what their goals are, so it's not really a place to judge, but we all do anyway. Um, and I'm no different. So, today, my gym judging was there was a youngish girl, I want to say late teens, early 20s, a little bit overweight. She was working with a trainer, he was also a pretty young guy, and he was. I guess not what you would consider the prototypical trainer you know he wasn't in particularly physical good shape uh, good physical shape um very skinny you know um but whatever he, so he was you know taking it around he did a little bit of free weight stuff with light dumbbells and and a few machines and stuff, but it became quickly apparent that. You know, while he might have been helping her a little bit with her form and stuff, there was no education from the standpoint of helping her to do what I consider are two of the most important things if you want to develop physically, uh, which is to stabilize yourself and to feel the intended muscle working. So and stabilization I've come to find is especially important when doing arm work especially for me for tr- triceps is a big one because I, it's kind of hard to find one you know you've got the cables and you've got the uh, overhead extensions and all that but it's your arm it's very easy to you know flip flop your arms around or you know whatever which will obviously bring your shoulders into the movement. And if you're training your uh, triceps, you don't want that. You want... So I found I've had to very consciously uh, stabilize my, my shoulders and and even my, my arms to an extent so that I'm just getting that kind of, you know, movement. And you can't... I'm rotating my uh, forearm there as well to kind of get that... Greater range of motion, um, but but that's just an example of how you want to stabilize so that you're not so that you're working the intended muscles. That's the idea, and the same with feeling, you want to feel the muscles working. Actually, uh, yesterday I saw a kind of interesting interview with uh Frank Zane. He's, in my opinion, he's got or had one of the best physiques historically. So it was interesting to hear him talk about, uh, his, what, what goes on in his mind for training. And he keeps it very simple. It seems like he's like, once you have established the, the mental pattern, once you kind of know how to do a movement, then it becomes routine. It becomes habit. But when you're first doing it, and that's when it's specifically important to really, really focus on the muscle you're intending to work and really focus on feeling those muscles doing the work and those muscles kind of from start to finish, you know, doing doing the intended work. And then it be, then once you, you know, program that in, that, that mental pattern, then then you don't have to think about it as much. You can just kind of focus more on uh, either counting reps or, or time under tension. Um, So, so that's something that um, I I know I talked about it a little bit before, but it came up today. So that's something to do with how self-awareness I think can manifest itself in, in terms of uh, physical improvement. Okay. So Um, before I get much further here, I wanted to actually, I, I prepared for this one a little bit because I knew it was outside my comfort zone and I I wanted to be somewhat prepared. So what I did, I grabbed a crap load of books here. Um, some of my favorites that, uh, that I wanted to share with you that might be helpful to you. I'm, I'm grabbing them in no particular order, just they're, Here, I'll see if I can show the viewers their big, huge, scattered mess right there. Okay, so first one on the pile, it's uh, Six Pillars of Self-Esteem by Nathaniel Brandon. Um, So this particular one is, his premise is that all of our Problems, all of our shortcomings. What's holding us back in life is not having enough self-esteem, and self-esteem being very different from uh, being narcissistic. So, uh, the the he he in fact calls self-esteem the immune system of consciousness. Um. So he get. Um, let's see if I can find a quick little. Does he actually name the? I'm trying to give you a cheat sheet here, but I don't think he. Um, okay, so the. I don't know if these are the pillars, but focus on action, the practice of living consciously. Uh, practice of self acceptance, self assertiveness. Uh, assertiveness is. A very interesting concept that in the future maybe I'd like to talk a bit about that practice of living purposefully uh, personal integrity I love the idea of integrity I think it's something that's big time lacking um, when I look around us so um, anyway that's, that's a great one it's kind of a good all around book um, for personal development on that note since I'm going to try to pull one out here because this is another one that's an amazing book in terms of good all-around personal development. It's called Emotional Intelligence at Work. It's not the, uh, the, I believe it was Daniel Goldman. I've got that in my shelf, the Emotional Intelligence book. This is a different one. It's written by um, Henry Weisinger and... uh, this is another kind of all-encompassing book. If, like, I've, I've got it highlighted like crazy throughout here because it was, for a while there, it seemed like I could just open this book up and there was something applicable to what I was struggling with at the time. Um, the first chapter is how to uh, developing high self-awareness. We talked about this a lot. Why? Uh, why self-awareness is the basic building block of emotional intelligence. Isn't that funny? That's kind of pretty much exactly uh, my philosophy as well, and, and what I was talking about building these things. Um, managing your emotions—that is huge. Uh, um, learning to be the master of your emotions rather than letting them control you. Uh, that's the second chapter or chapter, or section, whatever, and that one I found to be quite helpful. Uh, motivating yourself. Oh my. That was actually just a, uh, something from the last audio one I was talking about. Uh, the next section is using your emotional intelligence and in your relationships with others. So communication skills, uh, interpersonal um, expertise, helping others help themselves. So, uh, I mean, this is just a gold mine, this, and um, I, it was actually referred to me by uh, by a man who is very dear to me, and um, he was going through a lot of personal growth at, at uh, the same time that I was, and uh, we became soundboards for each other, and um, he he wrote a little inscription for me, and he, he gifted me this, and it meant a lot. Um, so that one comes highly recommended. This book, I'm just grabbing it off the top again, no particular order, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. This one was so good, I, I bought it on I think three, at least two different formats. I got the audiobook first, I believe and then there was just such a wealth of information that I wanted the um, the paperback copy as well so that I could go through and highlight a bunch of stuff, even though supposedly they say that's not the best way to learn, whatever. It, it's for a quick reference for myself. This is all about negotiation, and there's a ton of great ideas in here. Now, he spends a lot of time on anecdotal stuff, a lot of stories, which... I mean, it's good. It's a good way to get your point across and and teach ideas. But at the same time, the the challenge is that it takes him a long time to get around to his point. So that's the one thing about this. That being said, if you're interested in negotiating, not just negotiating for money or negotiating hostages, this guy was a hostage negotiator, Um, this is... A great book. I th- I would say this is probably the best one out there as far as negotiation books go. Um, the Happiness Trap. This um. This was a tricky one for me because it's one that it has one or two big ideas in it. The, uh, they call it a guide to ACT, uh, the Mindfulness-Based Program for Reducing Stress, Overcoming Fear, and Creating a Rich, Meaningful Life. So, um, let me just... Okay, and and the author, I don't think I said Russ Harris. I'm going to sk- skip ahead because it's been a while since I've read this, but I remember getting a lot out of it. Um... where are we here the six core principles of act 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 is is this um, concept that uh, i don't know if it was developed here but this that's what it's uh, based on so a uh, diffusion expansion connection the observing self so that again has to do with self-awareness uh, values committed action so in other words and, and this goes to something uh, Jung talked about, that you're not what you say, you're what you you do. So it's all well and good to say you'll do something, but unless you do it, it's not much good. Um, so this is a good all-around one, especially I found it to be helpful at a time when I was really suffering with a lot of depression. Um, on that note, there was... That reminded me of one of them in here. That well, actually, this one, this book, "Feeling Good" by uh, David Burns. He's also got a really neat podcast as well. Um, it's kind of dense, but it's at the same time, it's like it. I found this was a quick read, but what interested me in this book initially was that I read that there was studies done on it, or or done by people, and simply reading this book, um, in something crazy like 90% of people um, caused them to actually have a a marked reduction in depression, anxiety, those types of things. So if, if you are struggling with anxiety or depression, or both, because they do often uh, overlap, Then, and you're serious about wanting to do something about it, this has a lot of amazing tools in it to help you understand what's going on inside of you and, and deal with it. So for me, it was amazing. Um, oh, wow, okay, so here's a bunch more. I've mentioned this in the podcast, the, uh, the anti-anxiety diet by Allie Miller. Um, in terms of wanting, again, it, it's to help with using your, your diet to help with anxiety, and it's a sort of exclusion diet type thing. Talks a lot about how inflammation leads to anxiety. And I've actually heard... Um, since I'm, I'm going this direction, uh, this is one that um, probably a lot of you already have. Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. Uh, I'm not going to say much about it because it's pretty self-explanatory. And um, But I did actually hear Jordan Peterson on one of his podcasts talking about eating for anxiety and his suggestion was actually very similar to what was in this book which was eating a breakfast that consists of protein and fat which uh, to to help I believe it was to increase uh, dopamine and and other neurotransmitters that uh, provide the sort of feel good and energy producing um, uh, neurotransmitters in our brain that, that can drive us into not being anxious. Um, I just grabbed this one off the top. Another one that I talked about in one of my podcasts um, The Values Factor by John DeMartini. So, honestly, uh, this book is really dense. It should be, you know, tiny because what's in it is extremely good. It just it takes a while to get to it. So, um, this was one where I found when I was going through an existential crisis. um, This one helped me to learn about myself. And that sounds... I know it sounds kind of weird. Like, if you don't know you, who knows you? But we really don't think about it a lot. What causes us to value certain things over others. And this book helped me to get a, a more firm grasp on what those things are of value to me. Speaking of which, this is one you just have to get. It's, it's How to Hitler by Dr. William P. Helpington. If If, if you don't have this one, my word, you, you're you not living. This is a, it's a very easy read. And it is several tips on how to make yourself the most evil person in the world. Um, be a harasshole. If you don't like the way someone thinks, make sure to terrorize them and their families at their home and work in their public places. Um... Wear lots of cheap cologne or perfume. <laughs> um, be like George Costanza. Tactical Confusion. There's all kinds of cute little tips on on the different evil things you can do. And w- with, you know, kind of an explanation of, of what is meant by that. Uh, it's, it's kind of one of those, what would you say, anti-self-help books where it tells you evil things that essentially if if you're a sensible person, you'd want to avoid, and you might be doing some of them unconscious, unconsciously. Um, If not, you've probably come across people who do them and annoy you, and it's fun to just read them, so. Um, Okay, so there's a series of books called The Very Short Introduction to, this one's Aristotle, I've got Jung around here somewhere. Um, These are great, because it gives you a... A very short introduction to them. It helps you understand the person. It tells them a little bit about uh, who they were as a person, their their upbringing, as much as is known, anyway, and and their basic philosophies. Their what they were known for. Um, some references to material. If you, if you enjoy their works, what what you can get more of. Um, on that note, one that I'm currently reading now is uh, this this book called uh, 50 Philosophy Classics. Uh, This one's by Tom Butler Bowden. I think I actually have the 50 greatest uh, psychology classics on audiobook, and I quite enjoyed that. It it introduces you to a lot of... Unless you're, you know, you're you're a scholar in these things, you probably haven't heard of maybe about half of them. Um, And it's a great little introduction because it tells you there the, uh, a little bit about the books, a little bit about the author of the books, a little bit about the background around it and a bit of a commentary on it. So it's, uh, it's a really handy little overall guide. I'm I'm still working my way through this one. Um, I mentioned I was reading a bit about, uh, Taoism as well. So I'm, I'm working Working my way through this one, it's—I don't know if I can recommend it yet. So far, it seems okay. It's a—it's called Practicing the uh, the Dao uh, Ching, eighty-one steps on the way by Solala Towler. Um, it was one I was just uh, wandering through a bookstore and I found it. And it, the what I liked about it is it's got all the kind of verses of the Dao Te Ching, as well as. Um, I don't know if this person is a man or a woman, but the, the author's um, interpretation of them. And, and it's meant to be kind of a practical guide of because it, some of it's a bit abstract, right? And it, how can you utilize these concepts in, in your day-to-day life? So, um, like I said, just starting it. it, hopefully, is as good as I would like it to be. Mindset by uh, Carol Dweck. This was another one where I had the... I think I had the audiobook first, and then I got the uh, print copy. Because, again, there's just... I don't know that I, belie- I, I agree with everything she says, but she lays out a pretty good argument. And for the most part, in general, she's right. That... She lays out two mindsets: the the closed mindset and the growth mindset. And the closed mindset is this idea that nothing is within my control, nothing is my fault. Um, why bother trying? Why put in the work? That kind of thing, which is not really helpful, and it's kind of similar to this Brian Tracy one I pulled out. Brian Tracy's a gem. Um, This particular book, He's Got No Excuses, is along the same idea of take your life into your own hands. That's what I'd say these uh, Mindset and No Excuses books, where they shine. And the reason why I got them was because, embarrassingly, I found myself doing that a lot and feeling sorry for myself and there comes a point when you have to look yourself in the mirror and say what am i doing wrong and what can i do about it and for me that's where those came in so a couple fitness books i got the wrong one ha huh, i pulled out the wrong book i don't this is a piece of crap this one i've got lots of crappy books too Okay, so this one actually is quite good. It's uh, called Everything You Need to Know About Fat Loss by what's his name, Chris uh, Acido. Um, I mean, it's a bit older, it's a bit dated, but it's held up pretty well, I find. Um, in terms of getting a a pretty good idea of of how fat works, um, how your body uses it, this is this is a pretty good guide. Um, it's it's a little bit complex um, in certain ways, and it's, I don't know how practical it is, but it's definitely a fun read. Now, this, Tom Venudo's Burn the Fat, Feed the Muscle, I've mentioned at least once before in my podcast. I consider this to be a must-own. Um, now, the, the version I've got, he, he signed it, I don't know if he can make that out. He signed it and sent it to me, and it's a uh, it was an early version of it because uh, I just placed uh, top ten I guess in his annual challenge. I don't think they do top ten anymore. I think they just do top three. But uh, back in this time was 2013. Uh, the book hadn't quite hit the shelves yet. I knew it was coming, so. Um, anyway, I, I sweet talked him into sending me an early edition of it. And uh, yeah, uh, so, but that being said, this is a phenomenal resource. I own the ebook of it, the original ebook, which unfortunately, if you can get your hands on it, do it because it's. I consider it to be the best version of it. Um, this is fantastic as well. And I've got the, the audiobook of it as well. So I've got it in three formats. That's how good it is we were talking a little bit about persuasion now there's two books that i think are really good for learning that one is uh i've just got it on audiobook it's called win bigley i think scott adams is the author and this is the other one thank you for arguing by j henricks i've got i've got the audiobook of this one too um I find audiobooks are great because I can listen to them on my way to work in sort of 15-minute bursts, and I'll have a lot to think about, you know. And But then I, if I really like a book, I'll, I'll get the uh, the the print version as well so I can have it as a, a reference, you know, because it's easier to kind of go through that way than muddle through an audiobook. But this one has a lot of... Uh, this this sort of subtitle thing is what Aristotle, Lincoln, and Homer Simpson can teach us about the art of persuasion. So uh, if you're interested in language and how you can use it to better articulate a point, which is something I'm always trying to do. So I I come back to this a lot. And and oftentimes, to be honest, it's, it's something that interests me and communication in general interests me. But partly it interests me because I'm not very good at it. And I wish I was better at it. I try to be better at it. and I I've, I think I've improved some skills, but I've got a long way to go. Um, I've got another one that I didn't bring with me called Improving Your uh, Conflict... Uh, competence, I think it's called. Uh, another good one. Man's Search for Muscle. <laughs> Man's search for... Yeah. Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Um, as I mentioned this one before... Uh, another one I have on audiobook because, um, I don't know, it's because I do. So I've, I, it's quite unused. I, I found, uh, listening to it almost more powerful than reading it. I'm not a good reader. That's another area I want to prove, improve upon. The power of a positive, no. So I, I mentioned briefly assertiveness. That's what this is all about. This one is all about... Being able to, well, here, save the deal, save the relationship, and still say no. So it's about setting boundaries. It's about giving, standing up for for what you want, for what you need, what's important to you. Not giving in, having assertiveness, without becoming aggressive. I guess is a good way to look at it. It's standing your ground. Now... The main premise in this has been, to an extent, extent debunked, which is the idea is sandwiching. It's it's the term I've recently heard it called as a shit sandwich, where you're giving them two yeses and a no in between. So, like I say, if if people know what you're doing, then it just can come off as, as bad, because, you know, you're, sometimes it's best just to be direct up front, um, instead of, you know, just, um, burying, I guess, the, what you want to say. But, uh, it's, it's definitely a good rule of thumb, and it's definitely good, something to, something to think about, um, The last one I have with me is a little bit off the beaten path. It's called The Seven Principles for Making a Marriage Work by John Gottman. Now, I grabbed this kind of... I just saw it on my bookshelf as I was yanking out books. Um, The one I meant to get, I got the wrong one. That was... uh, Brad Seanfield's um, Max Muscle. That's the one I meant to get when I grabbed this other one. But um, this one, this Seven Principles for Making a Marriage Work, I grabbed it because it was one that I actually bought it when my marriage was... It was almost beyond repair. But I got it for two reasons. For one, it was highly touted as the um, basically the best book on the subject of of, of relationships. I also got his other book, I think it was him, uh, called Eight Dates, which was, it was okay. Um, this is, oh, here. I often think that if, fitness buffs spend just 10% of their weekly workout time, say 20 minutes a day, on working on their marriage instead of their bodies, they would get three times the health benefits they derive from climbing the stair Stairmaster. So I think there can be, I mean, if you don't, if you have an unhealthy relationship, you're going to have stress and anxiety and Anger and all these things that are going to have physical effects on you. That's not why I got it. I just got it because I found the book to have lots of good insight. And let's be real. The romantic relationships we have ought to be something that brings something positive into our lives. I'm very... I want to say blessed at the moment because um, I'm with somebody who makes me feel desired, makes me feel valuable, respected, wanted. um, And that hasn't always been the case for me. Um, I don't think it's the case for a lot of us so i obviously and because i've had some uh less fulfilling relationships i you know i'm i'm thankful for that too because it allows me to appreciate what i have now uh that being said i think some back to my point i think a lot of the things in this book help prepare me to be able to make the relationship I'm in now, as great as it can be, hopefully. I mean, doing my best um, because the last thing I want to do is make the same stupid mistakes all over again and and ruin something that's uh, wonderful in my life. Uh, speaking of which, uh, a thought occurred to me today while I was in the gym. And it was to do with, it was to do with stabilization, actually. My original idea was nothing like this. Um, my original idea was to work backwards from what I have done in the previous episodes, which was to take something I know to be a good physical principle and then see if I can work that into a, a psycho- psychological Principle, and what I was thinking about was that idea I mentioned at the beginning of stabilization, and I was trying to think how how can that how can that translate, and the initial idea I had. I maybe I'll think more on this later, but the initial idea I had is that idea that well is is like the parable of the from the Bible, of the man who built his house on a rock versus the man who built his house on sand. If you don't have a stable foundation for anything, no matter really what it is, if if the foundation is is weak, then everything you build upon that is at risk. And... It almost doesn't matter how much work you put into building upon that. So actually, the relationship idea seems to play into that a little bit. What can you base your relationship on? One one idea I heard was, you know, build it on a deep friendship. Um, I would say a, a deep respect is probably more important. Um, my girlfriend and I have a lot of different ideas. Whether it's political, whether it's uh, spiritual, our ideas are incredibly different. But we don't belittle one another for it. We'll joke around, obviously. uh, Playful jesting from time to time, I think you need that. But not in a way that's mean. Not in a way that is belittling. To one another um, and if we do cross into that territory uh, I think we realize pretty quickly and try to you know because we all mess up but I'm saying that because I did it a couple of weeks ago but yeah foundation of, of respect for for one another and where they're coming from is mutually Beneficial, um, as we were talking about, a, a foundation in training or in improving any area of your life. I think, found, uh, basing that on on the platform of self awareness, honesty, integrity. Those are pretty solid foundations so that you're true to yourself, you're true to your values, and you're willing to do what it takes even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's scary, so courage, uh, even when it means admitting you're wrong and and learning to put aside your pride. This has been a different episode. (laughs) I hope you've liked it. Um, leave me some notes, and I'll uh, I'll try to do better. And yeah, uh, hopefully this has been somewhat enjoyable. And I'll see you next time.